This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Um, you'll have to forgive me. I have a little bit of pep in my step today. Um, so first things first, um, the pod today features the one, the only, uh, he is not, I repeat, not equivalent to the worst Avenger, who is not Hawkeye, by the way. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, you will in a few minutes. Uh, Mike Vorkanoff of The Athletic. We uh, we just basically shot the shit about the offseason and uh, had some laughs, but also uh, I'd like to think provided a, a bit of insight into what the Knicks did and uh, what it says about what they may want to do uh, going forward. So that's coming up in a few minutes. Uh, recorded this on uh, Tuesday, um, and I am recording this intro on Wednesday afternoon about an Eh, about an hour or so uh, after Woj just uh, reported that the Charlotte Hornets and Boston Celtics are looking to get a third team involved in a uh, sign and trade for uh, involving obviously Gordon Hayward, but specifically to get off the contract of Nicholas Batum. Uh, as of now, we have not gotten no indication that the Knicks are even looking to get involved in that. Although, you know, actually I shouldn't say this. Um, yeah, no, there, there's only two teams in the league that could make that a possibility. And, um, it's the Knicks and the Oklahoma city thunder who have a $27.5 million trade exception, um, because everybody else is, uh, over the cap. Although I guess technically the Kings could get involved after they didn't match bogey's offer sheet. But, um, I wonder who they would send out. And I think that math would be a little tight anyway. Sorry for for rambling. So that news just came out about an hour ago. So if between now and when you hear this on Friday morning or Friday, whenever um, something has happened with Batum and the Knicks uh, and you don't hear me talk about it now or you don't hear me and Vork talk about it on this podcast, that's why. Um, but I will be writing about it in the Knicks Film School newsletter. So shameless plug. If you're not already subscribed, um, you know what to do. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, Lo, last thing I. I meant to say something to this effect um, before Thanksgiving, um, you know, and I recorded those pods a few days early. So I, it slipped my mind. And now that I'm sitting here on uh, Wednesday uh, again, early afternoon, and I'm realizing Thanksgiving is tomorrow. Uh, I just want to say um, thank you to all of you. And that, um, you know, as those those of you who may have talked to me offline and, and whatnot probably know already, uh, I 
am still uh, somewhat shocked by the fact that anybody uh, listens to this podcast or reads what I write and, um, you know, what's happened over the last couple of years with all of this has just been, um, you know, it's beyond anything I could have imagined. And uh, you guys out there are a massive part of my happiness every day because I feel like I'm doing stuff that matters to people. And uh, so thank you for that. And thank you for listening. And for, for those of you who have ever read the newsletter, whether you're a paid subscriber or not, thank you as well. And um, okay. I think that's enough hokiness. Uh, sorry that thanks came a day late. I hope all of your, your Turkey was not dry. And uh, with that, here is again, the one and only Mike Vorkanoff. Joining me now on the next film school podcast. Uh, he is, just about the most regular guest I have on this program, which really does not speak much of him. Um, but I, he is uh, the best of the best, and he continues to come on this uh, program and humor me um, by making me think I am important enough to have him. Um, I'm gonna, I was thinking about how I, I could introduce you. The premier local writer for The Athletic, Mike Vorkanoff. <laughs> the premiere. I don't even think I'm the premier uh, New York City writer at all. Uh, we have Tim Britton does a pretty good job for us. Yes, but like Lindsay Adler. Yeah, uh, but I, I pay attention. Like to if, how much... if we're if we're the Avengers, I'm like Hawkeye, who is by far the worst <laughs> Avenger. It's, first of all, Hawkeye is not the worst Avenger. I it's, disagree. Name with me that. a worst Avenger. Go ahead, do it. Well, are we going by like the technical? Like is is Colby Smolders? Is that her name? Is she a technically? She's not, she's, no, she's not an Avenger. That's like saying that Nick Fury is an Avenger. He is part of Shield, and he oversees the whole thing. But I don't count him as as an Avenger. Okay, he also doesn't have a superpower, so I guess that's fair. I I think uh, Captain Marvel is argue is a worse. I mean, she's a more powerful Avenger. Yeah, she's pretty but, dope. I mean, the movie wasn't that good, but like, no. she's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's the thing is like I, I purchased Disney Plus in part because I want to see Jeremy Renner run around for six episodes and do whatever it is Jeremy Renner's going to do. Oh, so he's the worst. Like, I, I, wow, I'm offended on Jeremy Renner's behalf right now. That's actually. fine. I mean, you can, you know, you know um, we can hash this out later. But I, I guess if there's one thing we can take away from this podcast, it's that Hawkeye is the worst Avenger. Okay. Uh, agree to disagree there. I will also agree to disagree with your take of yourself. Um, I pay attention to what the athletic promotes because I get the athletics email every day and it's, there's like the big stories on there and yours are always there. And it's not just because I, you know, I, I'm a Knicks fan. I, I, I know, you know, you're doing amazing stuff. And um, you had a piece a couple of days ago that I want to get into, but before we get to that, uh, you have been a journalist for some time. Um, has there ever been, an experience like we've had the, the I'm, not, I'm not just going to say the last week, but like the last week coming off of the previous, whatever it was, eight and a half months. I, last week was uh, very busy, very wild. I don't think I slept very much. I doubt you did as well. I did. Um, <clears throat> it was just a very compact period of time. Um, I hope we, uh, we, we don't do this again, but I also kind of don't mind just sticking it all in one week um, and getting it over with. As opposed to like the very protracted previous draft free agency schedule. So um, that that really was, you know, the weirdest part for me was just like Friday night when someone started running the Rocky Horror Picture Show like 
and for my upstairs neighbors. And that, that just got <laughs> to be a little too much for me. I was like, okay, I, I can take the Knicks free agency. I can't take this. Yeah. Everybody has their limits. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was just weird to go for me, at least to creating content about nothing for two thirds of a year to then trying to process like everything at once. Um, yeah. I, that, that was strange. Um, so we did that. We got, we got to stuff actually happened and, and stuff did happen. And you wrote, did the stuff happen? Did, did anything like the Knicks had the slowest off season? I think of anyone. I'm not so, even exaggerating. Well, so you're stealing my thunder here because I was, <laughs> my first question was basically going to be like, okay, they didn't do a lot. Obviously they didn't do a lot. Um, they took the guy that everybody figured they would take. If he dropped they didn't trade up, they didn't trade down. They didn't trade out. They didn't do anything crazy. Um, I think we have a clearer picture of what this regime is about now, but I don't know that we would say yet that we have a clear picture. How, how, how much do you feel like after the last week, we have that much better of an idea of what like Leon Rose intends to do than we did a week ago? Um, I don't think really that much. Uh, I think they were kind of, you know, probing and seeing what was available for them, but they had their limits. Uh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if the assumptions going into this off season into free agency specifically were the Knicks will take the patient approach and they'll try to upgrade when they can, if the price is right. Um, but don't want to like cash out their trove of assets. Um, I, I mean, I think that assumption kind of still holds, right? I, I think just, we got to see it play out in, um, in real time. And I don't know, I, I, you tell me what you think, but like, I feel like they're kind of what we thought that they would do. Um, I guess there was the doubt, the dalliance with like uh, Gordon Hayward, but um, you know, if it was like, if it ended up like, let's say if it worked out and it was like a two year deal, like a two year deal is fine. You know, that that's really not crippling and it's not yeah. um, a big swerve in terms of like what your development is for your for your organization like if it turned out to be a four-year deal then i'd be like okay what what's going on here yeah but that's the thing is like you know um you've only been covering this team for a few years but you do know the history and it's like i could uh, the one thing i could say is i have been in the mindset of like okay here's the thing that i expect them to do because it is the logical thing it is the sane thing it is the normal thing and I don't know. Maybe this is revisionist history. I don't feel like they've ever really done that. And I feel like that's um, what they did. I don't think that's true. And that was kind of like what I was uh, not struggling with, but I mean, just trying to understand this. If you remember, if you look back at um, the summer of 2017, when they signed Tim Hardaway, right? Yeah. Uh, weirdly enough, that actually hasn't quite aged into a really bad contract. I think it was bad at the time. No. Um, but the way that Tim Hardaway the way that Tim Hardaway played in Dallas where he kind of found his level, it made a lot more sense. Uh, but you know, that was kind of like, okay, what's going on here with the new regime? Uh, 2018, they really didn't do anything. Like they did something kind of similar to this, really. That's they made true. a few signings on the margin said, we're going to take the low, uh, the slow and steady approach. And we're going to take have this the option then. Like they didn't have any cap space in 2018. Yeah, I guess. So, but I mean, my counter to that would be is like, I think everyone looks at cap space as like, Here's cap space. We have it or we don't. I yeah. think what we should really think about cap space in the NBA now is you can have cap space if you want it. It just might cost something. Um, we saw the Pistons pay for cap space, right? Like they're, you know, they created cap space when they didn't need to, to make, you know, like that Jeremy Grant signing. Uh, they let Christian Wood walk. 
Yeah. I think they they spent uh, four second round picks to trade away Luke Kennard and his salary to make all their like big man signings work. Is that the um, low key most astounding thing any team has done this offseason? Uh, yeah, I mean, no one's talking about that. I mean, I don't think I would trade four picks to get rid of Luke Kennard when um, when, when Luke I think I'd a good have him. Yeah, I'd rather have him than Isaiah Stewart. I think. Um, I think too. Yeah, I mean, like the Hornets opened the cap space by taking a nine million dollar hit from Nicholas Batum's contract, right? Like, you can open up cap space. The Knicks just chose not to, and they they proceeded slowly and kind of like took what you know <laughs> took what was in front of them, type of thing. And the same thing they That's did true. this off season. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think what would have been, what would have been the, and I hate using this term because it's, you know, of connotations, but like, what would have been the nixiest thing to do in this particular offseason, given everything that we saw? Probably, hey, I mean, like, hey, we're going to Gordon Hayward $120 million. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's up there, right? Um, no. So they didn't, they didn't do that. Uh, they, they, they certainly did not do that. By the way, I have to look up the definition of trove. I'm not sure that I would say the Knicks have a, an asset trove. Uh, I think they have a pretty good – I mean, they have five first-round picks over the next three years. They now have, like uh, – I have it somewhere, but they have, like, what? Oh, it's – Seven well, or eight second-round picks. Hold up. One, two, Well, they have three. five in in 23 because they have their own plus four more. They have nine picks over the next – second-round picks over the next five years. Um, okay. And yeah, that sounds right. They have uh, – and seven uh, first-round picks over the next five years. So that's not nothing. I mean, that's like 14 that's, total picks when you out of you know, usually 10 is the norm. Um, so they have true. something to move with. And, like, as we saw, you know, use those second-round picks, not necessarily to make picks, but if you want to clear $5 million off of your salary cap to sign someone else, right, as Utah did. Like, those things, those things can, uh, you know, are essentially money to spend as well when you're trying to figure out who can you sign and um, who can you get. So I'd say they're in a pretty good position uh, in terms of picks and assets that way. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. They're in, a, they're in a good spot. I just like when you look at the arsenal that uh, Sam Presti has built up in, in Oklahoma City and um, I guess- Well, I mean, Sam Presti, you know, like that dude just has like, you know, he's got the infinity gauntlet of draft picks. Like you can't compare to him. No, you can't. Although you know, David Griffin Presti is can is snap close. his fingers and like he's got half the draft picks in the world. Um, yeah, no, that's- I mean, I, that's low-key the most – maybe it's not low-key. I, I was going to say the most fascinating situation in the league over the next couple of years. Like, what, does he make a move or something? Like, I don't – you know. We'll yeah, see. and he, he's kind of did. Like, he what, he spent, I think, two picks this year to move up to get uh, Poku at 17, right? So He did. It's going to be interesting to see how they spend it, whether they keep trying to take moonshots, um, you know, by trading up in the draft because they can or whether they just kind of use it at, at times where they feel like they have kind of – uh, undervalued assets they can strike at. So, so other than them and other than I would say uh, New Orleans, um, the Knicks have, yeah, probably the third best asset trove, at least in terms of picks. Um, and they have now some interesting young players. I think Obi Toppin's interesting. We talk about him in a sec. Um, so given where they're at, I think they did the smart, responsible, safe thing. Um, do you think that, this is this portends to like what what this season is going to be in New York. Like it is like right now it appears. I mean the odds the odds makers said they're a bit. They're what are the twenty two wins? I think is the over under. Uh, um, yeah, that's the one I saw. That's yeah. the only one I saw. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the only one I saw. Do, is like which again just to be clear, 
fine with me. And we could talk about maybe some other things that they could have done. I, I don't necessarily know that there is anything that jumps out, but uh, I'm curious to hear. But to like, do you think this is what this is going to be this season? That they're just going to be a bad team who, you know, probably plays young guys, maybe not as much as some fans would like? like or do you expect there to be a pivot of some kind between now and, I don't know, the trade deadline? I mean, I still feel like there's a move to make somewhere there. Um, just because they have so much cap space that they can absorb someone's problem somewhere along the line, right? Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Unless unless the Russell Westbrook trade happens, like what is there to, to to this team? What else is there? What can you really do? Even if you sign someone else in free agency, uh, there's not really anyone out there that'll change like the face of this team that much. No, I, I to me, I'm looking at three things. I'm looking at. Is there, is there a cap dump that we – like the only cap dump that to me that is obvious, and again, maybe you know something I don't, the Hayward thing is that – like is that official that he just – like they've, they've, they've stretched Batum or is that still – because I haven't – if it's been reported that that's official and that's done, I haven't seen it. Uh, I only saw Rick Bennell of the um, Charlotte Observer report that that's yeah, what the Hornets intend to do. And I mean, was he's kind of like yeah. – he's the voice on that. Maybe they change their mind, obviously, if they – I don't think the Hayward contract is official and they decide, wait a second, this seems like a bad well, idea. No, I mean, I'm sure, look, they're, they're going to pay Gordon Hayward $120 million over the next four years. I'm just wondering if maybe there's, because the, what I keep going back to is the Knicks taking on Batum, sending Randall to um, the Celtics in a, I guess what would be a three-way signing trade. And then, and then Hayward goes to, that's like the only obvious salary dump situation that I see that makes sense for the Knicks. I think um, actually if they trade Randall to Charlotte for Batum straight up, that opens up the cap space they need. Um, Charlotte does to sign Hayward. <clears throat> if I, if my, if what I've read about well, the seven, cap situation is correct. No, it's seven point something. So Batum right. is tw- Batum's 20. at 27 and Randall's at about 19. 19 and change. So yeah, I guess that would. Um, I, I mean, think of that. That's interesting. So, I mean, yeah, but even that would make them like worse as a basketball team. I know a lot of Knicks fans are unhappy with Julius Randle, but he's still arguably their best like player. He's their um, most talented player, um, depending on how quickly Toppin learned. But I, well, let, I, we'll go there right now. I was going to save this for later. Do you think that that's an issue? Like because, I mean, you were in the locker room. I certainly got the sense that Julius Randle kind of like he liked being the guy, and he certainly liked you know, using up a lot of the offense. Um, yeah, I mean, he thought it was his team. He was empowered to think it was his team. I, they I, told I, him, this is your team. You know, Fisdale came out saying, you know, this is point-centered Julius Randle. They paid him as much. Um, I think that was the, the you know, the uh, the obvious read on that. I don't, I don't know what Tom Thibodeau is going to do um, this year. You know, obviously things change so quickly year to year, and – I think that would be kind of the most audacious move he can make if he decides to bench him. Yeah. If he decides to bring him off the bench as your four, I mean, I, I think maybe there's an argument to <laughs> um, going top in Randall as your starting front court, but oh my goodness. that's wait, another, it's, wait, not no. a very, it's not a very good argument, but it's as one your four that, or five. Yeah. As your four or five, obviously sure. not as your three, that three, four and a Mitch of the five. I don't, I don't even know how that offense I, would work. It it wouldn't. Um, yeah. Well, actually, forget about the offense. How would the, the defense? Well, the look? defense with Top and, and Randall as your four or five is. That's why I'm saying that would just be, uh, you know, probably a, a clusterfuck defensively. Um, I, I think Toppin and Randall 
on the floor at the same time defensively, whether they're at the, I'm not sure what would be worse, whether they're at the three, four, or the four, five, it's not good either way. Um, yeah. So that's probably not yeah. going to happen. And I mean, that that's just, I don't know. I, like you, you got to think it through. I don't know. Like you have, you know, New Orleans Noel sign. He played about 13 minutes, I think in New Orleans, uh, not New Orleans, Oklahoma city last year. Yeah. Um, we'll see if they give Omari Spellman any time. I doubt if they do, it'll be much, um, you know, I, again, you can make, you can see how like Kevin Knox would get some minutes at the four um, RJ Barrett, you know, kind of really small you're, ball lineups. You even going through this, I did the same thing in my newsletter yesterday or whatever it was um, that like, there's just a lot of pieces. And I think we not necessarily that it always works out poorly when you have too many, um, when it's like too, too, too much of a game of musical chairs and there's like a whole lot more people than there are chairs. But like, I couldn't, I just, I have trouble seeing, the, there's a lot of positivity within the team right now. Like things are like, there's good juju. It's good, whatever, new coach, the whole thing. To start off the year potentially with a guy like Julius Randle, your most expensive player. I, I don't know if pouting, is Julius Randle a powder? Can he pout? I feel like he's capable of pouting, right? And I agree with you. I understand what you're saying. Like if you start off and... Um, you go through the whole thing where you start the season, you know, like we'll go into training camp and I'm sure Tom Thibodeau will say the line of, uh, you know, we don't have starters yet. We don't know. We'll see what training, like Fisdale did the same thing. Um, yeah, they all said that. but you can tell like who's in contention based on how they do the, you know, the lineups and scrimmages and practices and all that stuff. So I think it would probably, um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if issues start arising if Julius Randall doesn't start. Uh, understandably so, actually. I, like, that's not what he signed up for. Yeah, um, no, totally. <laughs> that's not what he's I, getting paid to do. I, I just wonder if you if if the Knicks are existing in a world where they don't view Randall as a long-term piece, which I, I'm not sure anybody thinks that they should, um, it's a matter of like, all right, well, is can you know, if you rehab his value to a certain point, like, what does that get you? Is anyone ever giving you a first-round pick for Julius Randall? I, I don't think so. Um Maybe you, again, have heard differently um, just because of the contract is like, I don't, I don't think it's that great. So that's why that's why I thought of that idea, just to put yeah. it out there. I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens, right? I I, I don't know. I, I think like the Knicks need help at guard so much that they yes. need, like I feel like that they should address that. Um, well, that was my other idea is they use their cap space to maybe use one of those future assets now to package with, whether it's Frank or whoever, and try to get a, go- a better guard in here now. The- right. And then you ask, okay, who's available? Um, obviously, you know, there's few teams, I think. Like, I would assume the teams that have a slew of guards are the contending teams, and they probably don't want to move their guards because you need There's depth. a team that I have my eye on, and they just spent a lot of money today. Uh, I, missed, I should say I we're recording what this happened on, today. What happened? Oh, what, what, Brand, Brandon Ingram uh, signed oh, his Oh, yeah. Max. I, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, but they also kind of made an investment in Lonzo Ball. Um, Eric Bledsoe, I think, is a starter in the, in the NBA. Um, I guess so if George Bledsoe's Hill. the starter, well, no, but George Hill's in, unless I got this wrong. Did he get traded? Yeah, I George, can't keep track. No, dude, it's, it's insane. George Hill's George in Oklahoma City. I'm not even apologizing. He's, he's in Oklahoma City. Yeah, damn he's it. in Oklahoma City. Um, Steven Adams, on the other hand, is in... He's um, in New Orleans. Why has nobody critiqued that? Like, are we really in a world where paying Steven Adams, what did he make, $13.5 uh, a year is like a good deal? I'm, I'm sorry. No, he got two years for 35 
Oh, yeah, that's right. It's even worse. It's almost 18 a year. Oh, yeah, George. I know that the Thunder signed like three guys to two way deals and like sign and traded for them to yeah. make that deal work. I just, I, well, I missed. all right. Well, George Hill's in the okay. So, but they still, but no, to your point, they still have Bledsoe. They still have Lonzo. They just drafted Kyra Lewis Jr. Um, and uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker is like a, you know, he's, he's a guy. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing with Lonzo Ball is he's, Got one year left on his rookie contract. So a decision is coming either way um, on him next offseason, right? So, you know, the Pelicans can wait and delay a little bit, obviously, if they want to see him play a fourth year in the NBA and what he is. And I think that would be reasonable with a guy that young and talented. Or they can decide, hey, you know, we're, we're kind of over it. Um, let's see how we can maximize that roster spot and that, that player right now. Uh, I don't know where they stand on that, obviously, but sure, I – they need some front court help. They have Steven Adams and Jackson Hayes and they have Zion Williamson, but I think that they're short in the front court. Other than that, if I recall correctly, I, I feel like also after what they, I mean, if I was them and I just went through last season where like they're a different team with and without Zion. No, I shouldn't say that they were, they had moments without Zion. I shouldn't, mm-hmm. I shouldn't over overdo that. But like, you know, Julius Randle, not saying Julius Randle, Zion Williamson, but like if there was a guy in the league who it's like you could kind of plug in and be like, okay, do your best inter- impersonation of that dude. Julius could kind of, yeah, know, fake I his think, way to it. Yeah, I think so too. And I think if you play him, you know, fewer minutes and give him a lesser responsibility than the Knicks did yeah, and with more help, I think he'd be more efficient. I think he'd be better. We've seen that at different spots in his career. Yeah. Are, in New Orleans, we saw. <laughs> yeah, like he's like the ninety-five percent of players in the NBA or more who are you know role dependent, right? Yeah. Um, I love that term. It's great. So we'll see. I I don't know. There's you know there's options. There's all the thing is like there's always something that we didn't foresee that pops up, right? And that's how these trades get made. It's like oh this is the obvious trade, and then you see something happen that you didn't think of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I mean like I wouldn't be surprised. I I feel like they have they have to know that they need a a better point guard situation, like their backcourt, you know, Alec Burks is there and, um, but they didn't really invest in them. They gave him one year, $6 million. Austin Rivers has what essentially amounts to you no, know, one, one year, year and $3 million. Um, so it's, it's very low investment in all the signings that they made. Um, they obviously need help. And I think if they're want to maximize RJ Barrett and Obi Toppin and well, uh, Julius Randall, they, they need guard help. But these are the conversations that we had, we've had over the last two years, which is like, where do you toe the line between, like, if you suck, that's not helping anybody. I think they got, I personally, I, I think I might be in the minority on this. I think they got better in terms of, I think the guys that they got are more helpful to their particular situation than the guys they got last summer. Like, I think Austin Rivers as like a cog is a good guy. He's not, obviously if you ask him to go and get you like 20 a night, then that's ridiculous or, or play point guard for that matter. Cause I think people are under the perception that he's a point guard and he's not. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, like Alec Burks is like, he can get you a bucket. So he has that kind of shot creation role, but at the same time, he's not going to sop up a ton of usage unnecessarily and like inefficiently. Um, Noel will be, you know, Mitch light, I guess. So I, I don't know. I, I get, what they've done, but at the same time, you're right in that if they don't go into the situation into the season with a better point guard, unless I'm going to throw this one at you, unless they believe in Dennis Smith Jr. as having turned some kind of a corner, which what would you think of the wisdom of that if they actually 
were were of that belief. I would question uh, where they found such evidence. Um, I guess <laughs> it's putting it plainly. You know, even even coming off his best season as a in the second year, you know, that he was in the NBA. I don't think we anyone could could confidently say that he was like a building block type player. Yeah. Um, la- yeah. I think last year was probably an anomaly. It's just so many weird and like unfortunate things happened to him. Um, yeah. He, you know, you're kind of willing to, at least I am to kind of give him a mulligan. He was placed in a, you know, he had personal issues on top of a very difficult uh, team roster situation that everything just seemed to cascade yeah. for him. Uh, I don't think that was his talent level. So I, you know, I'm curious to see. Uh, what he does this season, but I would not be able like to confidently say, "Hey, uh, this is the guy that we think we can uh, we can rely on to be our starting point guard." Um, I I agree. I think it's fitting that my my daughter brought me a dead iPad as we're talking about Dennis Smith Jr. Um, that's very fitting. That's okay. I, I, I can podcast and dad <laughs> at the same time. I'm I'm multi talented. Um, anyway, yeah, no, I mean, you know, Alfred Payton is. Boy, I don't think I've ever had so many Nick fans so upset at me as when I was like, listen, it's Alfred Payton. It's fine. He's like not terrible. But I also get, you know, the uh, the vitriol because I watched yeah. him last year. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's turn for a second to um, to Russ. Well, actually, you know, before we get to Russ, is there any deal that was that you looked at as maybe potentially out there for them that they didn't make that you were like, Hmm, I wish they kicked the tire or I wonder if they kicked the tires on that, or I wish they would have gone more aggressive against like, or for this player or something. Hmm. Um, that's a good question. You know, it was kind of an unimpressive, uh, class of free agents, but I, I, I do feel that with, with all their space, um, they should have tried, even if it meant With the caveat that some guys may not have wanted to come here. Of course. But I mean, like even, even just like tried to make the team better for next season. I, even if it meant overpaying on one year deals, kind of like what they did last season, but with better guys, well, just guys that made more sense really, you know, um, you know, not putting together a so heavy on the front court, you know, a guard somewhere. And I guess I'd have to put more thought into it, but like, that's the thing is I don't know. Like, I, I don't, I, I'm not sure where, Maybe there's an obvious one that I'm I've missed, but um, yeah, I don't. I, I that's that's the thing. It was like after Van Vliet, who maybe even isn't even really a point guard. Um, where was the like? Could you have? Could they have gotten Rubio if they had? You know, do they want Rubio? Like that's that's an interesting. He's always been an interesting name to me, but again, he's not a shooter. Although he's gotten a little, bit I better. thought Rubio would have been really helpful for them. Actually, like he's I a, love Rubio. He's a good point guard who's good defensively and like. Over the course of his career, it seems like when he plays, the team is better compared to when he's off. And oh yeah, um, that's just like a good point guard who can make things happen for you and move things along. And he's a good passer. And like I know he's not a good shooter, um, but yeah, but that's not he, everything. And it's yeah, like, I mean he yeah. does so many other things well that you can get. You know, like it's okay. Like sometimes you can compromise a little bit uh, depending on how good the player is. Yeah, and I think he's good. But again, we don't know you know, how much that was on the table. And, and also I, I, I'm not sure I blame them for wanting to hoard assets right now and also seeing what plays out and, and it's not done yet. We still have a week to training camp. We'll see what else they do. Um, let's get to, to Russ and then I uh, don't want to keep you for too much longer. Uh, 
who's the who's the GM in Houston now or president, whatever he is? I believe uh, it's Ro- Raphael Stone. Ra- Raphael Stone. There you go. So, uh, Mike Vorkanov, I am I am deeming you. <laughs> I'm deeming you, Leon Rose. I'm going to be Raphael Stone. I call you tomorrow and I say, you know what? Um, I don't need this headache. I feel good about Christian Wood. I feel I feel great about Boogie Cousins. Um, I just want to get this guy out of here. You could have him for Julius Randle. Um, take your pick of Frank Nilakina or Dennis Smith Jr. And I think that works under the cap, right? That should work under the cap because that's 25. Rust is at 41. They have, yeah, so that works under the cap. Um, what, what say you, sir? So Julius Randle and Frank Nilakina. Or, or Dennis Smith Jr. If, if that tickles your fancy more. I mean, if Dennis Smith Jr. is in there instead of Frank. Uh, it so that's, like, that's the thing that makes the difference for you? <laughs> I, would, I would consider it more so. I don't think uh, – I don't know. It's hard. Like, his contract is not great. Like, if the Knicks just sign Russell Westbrook this offseason to three years and $133 million. Yeah. Um, you would be like, okay, what is going on here? Um, you know, to like, is this just more of the same? Exactly. Yeah. At some point, at some point, like you have to get better as a team, right? Um, you have to be more attractive to players around the league. I think that's the thing we're noticing now is that, you know, well, nobody wanted to come here because they suck. Right. No one wants to play for a crappy team. Right. Um, you know, so at, so you're basically asking yourself, at what point do you pay a we suck tax, right? <laughs> um, and so I'm sorry. Was... <laughs> so it's the it's Gordon like, Hayward tax. That is officially we're going to call that the Gordon Hayward tax. That yeah. So you're like you're you're wondering, okay, when does that happen, right? Are you just going to pay it in free agency to attract you know some player here that you wouldn't normally be able to sign? Um, do you do it earlier than maybe your competitive cycle? Uh, to get like a guy like Russell Westbrook. And so as long as it doesn't cost you anything for your future, other than cap space, um, onerous as that contract may be like, you know, it raises the floor on you next season, uh, makes you better. It gets, you know, guys start watching Knicks games a little bit more because Russell Westbrook is playing. Um, But it's also not only about the, when do you pay the we suck tax? It's who do you pay the we suck tax for? And I think everyone, most Knicks fans, even if they were against the move would have been able to be like, all right, Chris Paul, I, I get that. And it's, but even, even for argument's sake, let's say Chris Paul had one more year on his deal, right? I even think then you could have made a, a stronger argument for it. With Russ, he's just so divisive of a player. And it's like once Russ is in your organization, then like your organization's about Russ. And like both on and off the floor, I feel like. So I think that has to do with it too. But yeah, I, I you know. I was curious where you, where you would come down on it and you came down about where I figured you would. So it's a, it's a hard one. I mean, I, it's I, I not do, easy. It's not I, a simple answer. I don't think I, I, you know, I do like after seeing the, like the Knicks for the last few years and just other teams around the league, at some point you have to have forward progress. Right. And so this just constant, like iterative rebuilding cycle that just transitions from one rebuild to another. Um, you do uh, like, you know, if you're the Nets and you can do it super organically, right? Like they had every everyone that contributed to that playoff team um, in uh, two years ago was drafted, signed as a like a low cost free agent, or they traded, um, you know, Brooke Lopez, right? I think that was a trade, Brooke Lopez to the Lakers. It was Brooke. No, and they not got... even. It was the number twenty seven pick, right? Twenty seven pick. It was. It was. 
Brooke and the pick for D'Lo and Mozgov. If I right, so correctly. everyone that they got was either drafted or like a distressed asset, basically. And yeah. they had they were so good at uh, procuring talent, developing it, finding the right guys, and they were able to build that thing out of rubble. Um, but yes, the ability to do that is like very hard, and it doesn't happen very often because. You know, like we can mention the Nets as one of the few teams that was able to rebuild out of the rubble, out of nothing without, you know, uh, hitting on a lottery pick and hitting a, on a free agent signing somewhere. So, yeah, it's like, how do you how do you take that next step? I, I think but, it's just. No, I, I and this I is not me advocating 100 percent for trading for Russell Westbrook. It's just but, thinking through it. I always think about like where where is your organizational mentality? Not mentality is the wrong word. What's the vibe in your organization like? At like, cause like the Nets, like, yeah, they lost however many games, you know, they or they won, I should say 20, 21 or however many games. Um, but like, there was like a good vibe. Like Kenny Atkinson had the thing rolling. I'm wondering like, maybe it comes to mid season and like they make a pivot, but right now I, I just don't know if they need to, cause they got Tibbs. Like if Tibbs like takes this group, and he goes out there and they're like losing close games and they're playing hard and they're like flying around on defense, whatever, you know, and Obi looks good. I think Obi Toppin has a lot to do with this. Let's say RJ looks a little bit better. Even if they're bad, I feel like you can start to see like, okay, we got another top, you know, six, seven, eight pick coming in a really good draft. That's why I'm, I'm I shy away from doing it, but I'll tell you this, I would feel a lot better about saying that if they had, you know, whether it's Lonzo ball, just like some guard ball handler. Yeah. Let me rephrase that. Some ball handler that I could be like, okay, I can at least talk myself into that guy being a, a real guy, you know, for, yeah. for this season. I, I agree. Know. And I'm look, and if like this season goes uh, semi-normally and there's a trade deadline and we get to the trade deadline part of the season and you could see a team decide, okay, we're, we're in a position where, um, you know, whatever they would decide they really want to make the playoffs this year or they're a contender and they really want to, um, I don't know, acquire someone that could help them in the front court. And they feel like Julius Randle is that guy and he's on an expiring contract and they're willing to maybe part with, you know, a guard who has some promise and the Knicks buy in on that or some other teams like, well, screw it, man. Like we're bad. Like we need to get rid of this contract and we'll <laughs> attach, you know, this promising guard just to make it happen and take the take the money off like we can't afford to pay yeah. it in a season with no fans um yeah i don't know who knows right that's the thing like they have to the salary floor they have until the last day of the regular season to, to get there yeah. not that it really matters if they do or not um so we'll see i, I don't know i you, you're right though and i totally agree they need guard help like um unless Dennis Smith Jr. is totally rehabilitated or Frank Nilakina is able to like be consistently aggressive. Yeah. Um, that's the key. I, they need help. They just need guard help and they need guard help because that's how you actualize Obi Toppin's potential too. Right. Um, yeah. And Mitchell Robinson, like I, I liked Alfred Payton last year. I thought he was better than um, it seemed. Uh, and it's like, look, his three point shooting was, scary uh and that number is just frightening at 20 i think 20.9 percent uh it's, it's really I, I know ugly. he made 14 three-pointers that's that's the number that i will yeah remember. yeah it was really bad starting um, point guard in the nba made 14 three-pointers yeah there's not there's like there's no excuses there like it was just really bad um but even that like i mean he wasn't that bad of a three-point shooter his entire career no um 
so I don't know. We'll see. I, I have questions too about um, how they'll do their rotation just because yeah. like, I does Kevin Knox get lost this year? Um, well, do they get rid of Reggie Bullock? Like, what's the deal? I can, I mean, I could see them just sitting Reggie Bullock on the bench because my my I wrote this the other day. I feel like if there was any if there was a trade to be had where some could somebody wanted him and was willing to give something up for him, I think they would have done it like this week. But who knows? Um, so we'll we'll see. I agree with everything you're saying. I. Um, yeah, I don't know where that guard is that they get. I personally think, and I'm I'm curious what you what you think, and I'll I'll let you get out of here. Um, I think they hope that they will be in the running the next time a disgruntled. We we always hear this term, right? Disgruntled star, disgruntled young player, whatever. I think they they think that they are going to be in the pole position once that guy emerges, and if history of the recent history of the NBA is any indication it someone is going to be like, um, like get me the F out of here, wherever they are. That's what I think that they are hoping, but I'm curious what you think about that. Yeah. And I agree. I, my, my condition on that is you almost have to separate it. Right. So if you try to trade for a star who's got one year remaining, right. Uh, You know, Anthony Davis was, I think the most recent example, I, I, I may be forgetting someone, right? But when you've got one year remaining, you're basically in free agency. Yeah. Um, you're trading for someone who has who has to want to go there. Otherwise, you're going to be giving up a lot of some things yeah. for a guy who leaves in a year. Okay, so you you have to be in a situation as a franchise where like somebody will want to go to New York, and like you're that means you're probably close to being competitive or at least being a playoff team, right? So that they can go to a situation where they can win, right? Um, if it's a guy with multiple years left on his contract i think that's a little bit different where if he wants out but he has less leverage if you trade for him that what's he going to do sit out two years right then so i mean it's almost like not even just who's the next angry star who wants out it's like okay he's he's probably got to have like multiple years left on his deal too can i give Uh, you can i give you my sneaky one go ahead what do you think what do you think about Mr. Uh, Mr. Young in Atlanta, because he was not happy there last year. <laughs> yeah, um, was he and not look, happy, or were, were there people not happy with him? Well, does it matter? <laughs> uh, it depends because <laughs> you can get rid of some of those people. Yes, but they went out. So my read on what they just did this week is like again. We talked about Gallinari whenever it was at the beginning of last season, a million years ago, and you were like, "I'd bring Gallinari in for two years at like the right number." Well. Three years, $60 million is like, hey, now. It's like they went out and they really made a point to be like, we're going to get better right now. And I feel like you don't do that unless you have a young star who has at least made his feelings known about like, hey, enough of the bullshit here. Now, would that mean you would want to come to New York? It's even worse. I don't, you know, that's, but again, let's say Toppin goes out there. See, that's why I think like all this stuff is tied together. Because Toppin has to look good. I'm like, R.J. Barrett has to look good. Mitchell Robinson has to look good. But that's the guy that I have in mind. <clears throat> yeah. I, I mean, I could see. I think that's a complicated case where I would guess um, some of that is probably coming from ownership, too. Um, Maybe. Yeah. And, you know, and that's a GM in his, I think, his third year. Uh, uh, Schlenk took and – and Yeah, taken, because he the, his first big move was the, was the Doncic trade. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's taken – you know, he's taken a – few big risks including the you know trading away Luka Doncic um 
and he here took it goes a, words. Yeah, trading he away took, Luka Doncic. He took a big swing in the draft last season too by trading up for DeAndre Hunter, um, who's and, now I guess going to be coming off the bench and playing fifteen minutes a game. I, right, and so I mean he's been aggressive, and I think they they saw a regression last year. Um, <clears throat> Yeah. when they, you know, last season. And so they want to take a step forward and like, they're going to get better. And, and the East is, I think, pretty top heavy. I would say like the top seven teams, you, you probably know who the top seven uh, playoff spots are. And so that leaves yeah. a free fall, free for all for the eight seed. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's probably in play there too. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know who that next person could be. It could be Trey Young. Maybe he just, you know, maybe he's at it. I nothing surprises me uh, at all yeah. if a player decides he wants out. I do want to ask you something, please, uh, because we DM'd about this. I don't think I responded to you just because I forgot. Oh uh, yeah, what did I? I, I, want I, you, I want you to support uh, your belief here that you know halfway into the season, Obi Toppin will be a capital A asset. <laughs> I stand you, by because that. I don't. I don't agree with that. Um, you, what don't you don't agree with that he's going to be like. Well, okay. what is a capital? I mean, I think he's I going mean, he, to. He he fell. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I here's 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 what I mean by that. And my my thought process, I don't think always translates into how I write because I finish these things at like two a.m. Um, I don't think, and uh, God, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. Like, I don't think R.J. Barrett is a big time asset right now. Like, I don't. I think he's. I don't think any team in the league or any GM would look at at him and be like, oh. Like, like, you know, GM of team of mystical team X who has young star, right. That they, that maybe asks to be traded and they're like, okay, what's, I need to get something back that like I could bank on. Right. Like that's a bankable, like, I know I'm getting a a guy who's going to be like a future, like something. I don't think anybody looks at RJ Barrett after last season and is like, okay, he could be that guy. That's and Mitchell Robinson. I think he has a very high ceiling. I'm very high on Mitchell Robinson but just the, by virtue of the position he plays and like the things that he doesn't do. I don't think he's that. I think topping could be a guy that some GM could talk himself into being like, okay, if I have to trade my young star, at least I know I'm getting back something that like I could go to my owner and be like, well, look, we, we lost whatever, but we're getting a guy who's going to give us an efficient 20 and 10 and highlight real dunks and, you know, bring some excitement. Like that's, that's what I meant by that. I don't know. I just think he went eighth in this draft, which wasn't like a super strong draft. Right. Um, you know, yeah, I think, why did he go eighth? But I think part of the expectation is like, okay, you might, you might see him score and be productive right away because of his age and the fact that he's more advanced um, physically because he is 22. But uh, if that's all baked in and he still goes eighth, that's kind of what the league is saying about him too, is right. Like at 22 uh, you're getting a big man, and I forget, I saw this on Twitter and I don't want to like not credit the person who said it, but you know, they made a good point. It's in the NBA. Now you can get away with having a guard. Who's not good defensively. Uh, oh, you can someone hop- at the Strickland, I think said this. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. So you can, you can get away with that. And, but you can't get away with a guard, with a big man. Who's not good defensively. That really hurts your team defense. Uh, so if that's what, you know, Obi Toppin is, and he's not that good defensively and he's not a rim protector. Um, and you know, then he, then he still is what, what was expected to be. And if he becomes a guy who comes out, you know, scoring, uh, well, you know, 18, 18 points a game or whatever, and getting 10 rebounds, it's like, we've seen John Collins just well, now, was, like the Hawks don't want to invest yeah. max in him in an extension. Um, I think the, I think the bet, 
I think their bet is that he's going to be so good. That it's a twofold bet is my guess that he's going to be so good offensively. It's going to make people like, like Zion last year. I'm not saying Obi Toppin's going to come out and be an offensive player like Zion Williamson, but like Zion Williamson was terrible on defense last year. He's still on. Let me rephrase that. If he didn't have the health concerns, he would still be a top five asset for or top 10 asset at the very least for everybody in the NBA, well, right? Well, I mean, yeah, but there's a there's a bit of a difference there. Um, no, there is, a, there is a bit of a difference. He, he, also, he also projected to be a good defender coming into the league. Uh, Zion? Yeah, I think so. Like as a small ball of four or five with his athleticism yeah, so what- and his like – like I think we all saw him in the way that he was able to get out to the perimeter to defend and block shots at Duke. Sure. Uh, there's some, you know, I think some belief that he could do that in the NBA as well. Not to mention that he was three years older as a rookie, right? Like, so Oh that, yeah, no, that, it, that room for growth is important too. It is. And I completely agree with that. I just, I, the second part of what I was going to say is I think that they, Maybe this is, I should say, hope. I think slash hope that they would not have taken him if they did not believe that they could, uh, whatever defensive system they're going to run, and I have an inkling as to what it might be, but I'm not sure. I, I think they think they could they could hide him on defense to the point where it doesn't. it's not, like, obvious. So, yeah, we'll see. You might be right. Um, I, I may be being a little Pollyannic here, um, but listen – Guys like Alan uh, Seppenwall need me to be a little Pollyanna-ish, um, you know, to offset all of the, the negativity. I think Seppenwall is just on tank mode here. Uh, oh, his, his, this season was made for Seppenwall. He, he, I, I, I want to see his catalog of, of gifts. Uh, <laughs> I want to see a different one every game. I don't want to see the same tank twice. Yeah, his, his gifts per game uh, average <laughs> is going to be very high. It was very high during 2018-19. I think it may be even higher this year. It should, he should break – yeah, he should be – it's like Russell Westbrook's usage during yeah. his MVP season. He's going to have like a, a 40 usage rate for – They should just set it in Vegas, and then we should be able to bet on how many gifs he sends this season. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to have to send this clip to him. Um, <laughs> all right, I think that – anything else we didn't we didn't cover? The, t- the Knicks made a hire today. We're, I should say we're recording this on, on Tuesday. I don't think we're dropping this until Friday. But the Knicks hired um, an assistant coach uh, – Ermin, right? Mark? Uh, Darren Ermin. Darren Ermin, sorry. Mini, mini Tibbs, according to Rajon Rondo of 2014. Yeah, um, so that's fun. A um, little bit out of left field, right? I, I thought it was out of left field. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it. I mean, he seems to have a long relationship with Tom Thibodeau. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's good. It seems like it's a good hire. They, it seems yeah. like they've put together a pretty good coaching staff in place. Um, and I, I, would, I would expect that. Darren Ehrman is probably uh, the defensive coordinator of sorts yeah. for a defensive coordinator coach. Yeah, that uh, that sounds about right. Um, who, who described him? One of your colleagues, I think, described him today as a Tibbs whisperer, perhaps. Yeah, I think that was Jared West. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. Jared knows, you know, he knows him from covering the Celtics in the main red clause. So yeah. I'll take whatever he says, yeah. uh, I'll, and I'll just co-opt it. Um, yeah, but other than that, anything else we didn't cover? I think that's... You want to give me an over-under? What's your over-under? 72 games, so... Um... Yeah, I was trying to do this in my head. I would say with the roster right now, you know, giving like a Tibbs bump for just them being well-coached, uh, I don't know, what's like a 26-win pace? Um, uh, so that's about 23 wins, right? It's like right where Vegas has it. Uh, so you want a twenty a normal 26-win pace. That's Yeah, okay. it's, about, it's about 23 wins. Times 72... 
That would be 22.8 wins. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Vegas is pretty good at this thing. I mean, I wrote, I wrote, I was writing for a betting site for a little while, a, a little while back. And I did some research on like teams that were picked to have like under a certain amount of wins entering the season. Mm-hmm. And like, I forget if it was like 70 or 75% of those, like the, they hit, they got the over. Like, mm. so yeah. Okay. So you're, if, if a team is picked to be like the worst team in the league or f- like just have a particularly dreadful record, yeah, hit the over. Uh, okay. history, history says hit the over. So we'll, all right. Yeah. You know. I'll hit the over. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if the, if the over unders at 22 and a half and they win 25 games, that's, that's hitting the over, you get your money. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I, it's hard to look at that roster and have um, very large expectations. I think Thibodeau is definitely a good coach who will maximize them every night. Um, I just don't know even how much that'll carry him. I would bet the over right now because I think that there is a not insignificant chance that they go out and get someone that makes them a little a little bit better. Um, Best case scenario, they bank enough losses uh, where they place very high in the lottery and then get someone in midseason that actually is, uh, is going to help the guys develop. That would be fun. Um, I would, I would co-sign for that in a heartbeat. Um, yeah. So only a matter of time until we start, uh, researching these 2021 kids. <laughs> uh, I saw Sam had, I have it, I have it up on, on my, one of my tabs. I haven't gotten a chance to read it yet. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to dive in yet. Um, who knows <laughs> you're holding 20, off. <laughs> well, I mean, like who knows when the 21 draft will be, um, we're, uh, you know, well, college basketball is having a hard time getting their season going. Uh, yeah. We'll see what luck the NBA has with getting their season going. Uh, you know, starting a starting an indoor sport league in the middle of the worst the pandemic has been in the middle of winter is, uh, you know, it's a oh, decision. That's a, that's the question I wanted to ask you. Uh, we're going to end with this. Give me the over under on the amount of games Mike Vor- Michael Vorkanoff uh, covers at. Um, Let's just keep it to MSG, Madison Square Garden this year. So out of out of a possible thirty six. Man, I, I've been actually thinking about that. I don't know. It's over under. I guess I would set it at I don't know, 18, 18 and a half? I, I don't even know. I, you know, like I've been looking at what the NFL guys uh, I'll take the under. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean the other part is it's like what do you get from going to a game? Um you don't talk to people in person, you <clears throat> so well, what do we the same what do we, access? What do we usually get? We, we get the locker rooms out. That's done. Um, yeah, no, yeah, locker rooms out. You can't be on the court before the game talking to people who are there. Um, no. That's I would very much presume that they will not let us do that. Uh, it's not like you're getting a better view. I don't even know that we're going to be for sure allowed into arenas yet. Like the NBA hasn't said anything. Um, no. You know, no. so I don't know. I mean, even I think from what I understood about like baseball. I don't think the beat writers went to every game and that was for outdoor uh, stadiums. So I don't know. I I don't, it's, you know, just kind of weighing risk versus reward on that type of situation. Yeah. And then like, you know, you have a small child at home. I have a small child. I have a pregnant wife. I said, I'm soon to have two small children. (laughs) I mean, listen, pregnant, pregnant people are high risk. I, I mean, you know, incurring that type of risk for yourself to cover a basketball game and potentially endangering families. My, my wife lot. is mad when I go to the soup. I'm like, hey, honey, I'm going to go make a beer run. I need, I need beer. Right. She's like, do you really need to go out of the house? I'm like, can we get a 
I'll, I'll text you about an app that delivers beer for you. I'll let you, you had told me about this. You were I, gonna... will, I will not name drop on the podcast because I, uh, you don't, I don't get paid by them. So, you know, <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> they don't get that on here, uh, but I will text you the name. Um, that please do. Um, that, that sounds great. Although I did ask for a renewal to my, um, beer of the month membership club for my wife. That's the only thing I wanted for Christmas. So yeah, that's uh, fair. Yeah. So that'll, that'll be in the offing, but I'll still take the, the information. Um, Mike Volkanoff, if there's anyone listening who does not know where to find your writing, I feel bad for that person, but just in case they are out there, can you let the folks at home know, uh, you know, what, uh, what's going on with you? Yeah. I mean, go to the athletic, uh, theathletic.com. I cover the Knicks for them. You can find every, uh, NBA team, I think on their NHL, uh, you know, we cover the league at large, cover some EPL soccer, European soccer, if you're into that and uh, avoid my tweets on Twitter. Avoid your tweets, avoid my tweets. Twitter's accessible. Just let's stay out of there. Um, I wish I wish I could vehemently disagree. Um, I, but that I that I will not. I, I'll vehemently disagree about the Hawkeye thing. <laughs> and I'm really going to try to give this a little bit more thought. Yeah, when but. when this when this podcast drops, just make promise promise me this. When this podcast drops, maybe uh, you can tweet out a link and along with it include a poll: Is Hawkeye the worst Avenger? No context, just like just that's it. That's Is it. Hawkeye the worst Avenger? Let the people decide. I think I'm actually going to do it right now. Yeah, um, do it right now. Because why not? Uh, Mike Vorkanoff, you are the best. Um, everybody, if you're not subscribed to The Athletic, I don't know what you're doing. It's um, it, it's it's the best uh, sports subscription money could buy. And I say that as someone who has a paid sports subscription. Um, <laughs> well, I hope everyone's subscribing to you too, obviously. Well, uh, not at the cost of The Athletic, but, you know, as well. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> uh, how, about, how about this? Everybody subscribe to both. There you go. So I, no, but like, honestly, just... You know, if you can, and I, this is a very difficult time, and so I'm, you know, I understand that. But you know, and I've tried to do the same. If you can support the media that you enjoy and that you read, and that uh, gives you some, you know, cultural sustenance to your everyday life, um, whether whether that's yeah. the local newspaper, whether that's uh, Jonathan the Athletic, uh, you know, it's uh, you know, pay the people that give you the things that you want. If ever. If, if ever there was a time to appreciate the media, uh, I, I will say it is in the year of our Lord 2020. So, yes, uh, yes. go 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 support the people that do this work. OK, um, Mike, you're the best. Uh, I'm going to sign off and uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back with you with another episode very soon.